Hendrik, well, welcome again. It's 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 good to see you again. It's been uh, it's been a while that we uh, saw each other face to face in the last couple of months. But uh, and I think you, uh, it's good you came in a little bit early because you've uh, you've heard some of the discussion on COVID nineteen measures and and travel restrictions. Um, so maybe let's start start with that if if you don't mind. Um, I think it's, there was also general recognition earlier on the panel uh, about the success of the DCC. So European Commission, well done. Thank you very much. It took a bit longer in terms of implementation, but I think we all know uh, that it's not uh, uh, due to the Commission's work. Um, having said that, that's all fine, the Corona Pass. If it weren't for the Corona Pass, things would have uh, not looked as good uh, as we had it this summer, uh, relative good results. However, however, there's always however, still lots of work to do. You know, the criticism also was there that member states, there's still a variety of, of national travel uh, measures, restrictions, uh, very confusing for the passenger, not only for the airlines, because uh, many uh, consumers, many passengers probably are still doubting to travel. What do you think in sort of next steps, that's where we also see, how do you think member states can come to solution, maybe with your help, with the Commission's help, to actually get some more harmonization in these travel measures? Thank you. Thank you very much, Thomas. And um, Thank you also for the warm welcome and for having me here. Always a pleasure. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I was also uh, privileged to uh, hear a little bit of the previous debate, which I found very interesting. And um, of course, those subjects are definitely with us. Um, the um, the certificate. <clears throat> Actually, I'll, I'll go back about one year and remind you about another thing because. Um, uh, the certificate in that sense was uh, really the one which uh, saved uh, the summer. Actually, one year ago we had the um, health safety protocol by EASA and ECDC and the Commission, which, uh, which was also a very handy tool, uh, which actually helped uh, to restore air traffic uh, last summer in 2020. Uh, when uh, the numbers went uh, down, uh, then the health protocol was extremely important in order to uh, have some kind of uh, common understanding uh, in which way travel is safe uh, and and it worked uh, and this year of course we managed to get one step further because the um, the moment uh, the uh, digital covid certificate became a um, a must so it was enshrined in the eu law which was the 1st of july then um, and um, Donald is, is somewhere here, and uh, he knows all these figures by heart, surely. But more or less, when you look at, at the Eurocontrol uh, uh, weekly uh, uh, numbers uh, in terms of flights, it, uh, it more or less doubled in, uh, in a week. And, uh, and many companies uh, were, well, mainly, of course, those who are more flexible, uh, brought uh, a lot of uh, new capacity in the market. And uh, that allowed us to uh, reach uh, more or less the level of uh, 70% what we have now, and which has been pretty stable, by the way, I just want to remind you that before that, since the beginning of the year, we were constantly running st uh, also in a stable way uh, about 35% of the flights, so of course the number of passengers much lower, but I mean, just this shows the dynamics, this shows also how the certificate has made a difference, and uh, today we have about 50 countries uh, who are already uh, joined in or joining in in one way or the other, and yesterday I had the pleasure of um, doing also the uh, 
uh, keynote opening at the um, ICAO high-level COVID conference. And um, after that, there was uh, one very big Latin American country who contacted our rep in Montreal and said, well, this certificate is a great thing. Tell us how we can also uh, uh, be part of that or actually how we can use it. Because one of the elements that I pointed out was that uh, it has always been created as a, um, open access and um, and also uh, affordable so that uh, it can be used as a global tool and uh, even more so we are very happy that IATA was uh, has also been recognizing it and basically is considering this as a global uh, gold standard when it comes to the to the certificates that uh, can be uh, used or should be used now we are, as I said, in the 70%, but uh, what is missing is the 30%, and this 30% uh, is uh, predominantly uh, long haul. And nothing is going to change when uh, there is not going to be uh, the opening up uh, by the third countries. I mean, uh, I think uh, you showed, uh, showed a very good um, uh, uh, understanding and also the uh, assessment uh, which was backed by the health data when we opened up for the US. I think that was uh, incredible because it brought a lot of American tourists to Europe. Uh, I know that in Greece, for example, they have never had so many direct flights to US as they had during the months of July and August. Uh, but unfortunately, it was not reciprocated by the US, and even though they now they made a rushed statement, we still are actually in the dark because um, uh, November, we don't know when. Uh, we have no idea about the uh, operational aspects uh, that are related to the opening up of the tra non-essential travel to US. And we have also uh, 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 contacted, uh, of course, many departments in US, as is your sister organization, A4A, doing in order to get more understanding. Because that will be a big thing, because when we would be able to open up the um, uh, transatlantic uh, uh, traffic, then uh, uh, we would be in a, in, a, in, a, in a much better place we are today and we could only accelerate the, uh, the recovery. And I very much agree which was said before. I think airlines are going to come back much faster than we believe. But uh, for that, the conditions have to be right. And that comes also to the question what and how the member states, uh, at least in Europe, should, uh, should behave. I think they have largely behaved okay. I think we, have, we saw some, um, after the certificate has been introduced, we saw some um, sort of uh, uh, tendency of still having national measures in place, especially during the transitional period. But uh, since the middle of August, things are more or less fine. Let's also see what will come out uh, from the discussions uh, between the European leaders, which is going to take place next week, uh, because uh, uh, they're also going to discuss about the, uh, uh, the recommendations concerning uh, uh, the health safety of, uh, of uh, 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 related to COVID. And uh, ECDC has come up with the, uh, uh, with the assessment that uh, all these color codes and all these kind of uh, uh, national restrictions uh, when it comes to traveling are more or less obsolete today because uh, uh, the situation is very different when uh, it was when these, um, uh, when these color codes were introduced. So I think it's important to go with the time and, uh, and also to recognize the fact that the vaccination rate uh, has gone up significantly in most parts of Europe, unfortunately not in all parts of Europe and, uh, and, and this is helping us and as long as we keep the vaccination rate high, as long as there are more vaccinated people then there is the basis also to get rid of the restrictions. As long as, uh, 
as, as long as we have still a lot of unvaccinated people, I'm afraid that it wouldn't be a surprise if uh, certain uh, member states would be uh, nevertheless uh, keen to maintain some restrictions, which can also be even epidemiologically justified, uh, uh, or at least they would find the justification uh, for themselves. But I think that uh, with the COVID certificate and with the vaccination rates, uh, uh, this should give us also the best uh, uh, guarantee that uh, we are getting back to where we were before, and hopefully sooner than later. Thanks. Thanks very much for this very elaborate uh, reply, um, Henrik. But do I take it then what you just said that uh, the Commission, do you have an exit plan in terms of what ECD, on the basis of what ECDC said? Do you have that ready, which is basically a text saying, well, given you know, the pandemic, given ECDC's recommendation, given the situation of the epidemiological situation with so many people vaccinated, we probably don't need these travel restrictions anymore. Do you have something in a drawer? The Commission has always uh, good plans and uh, the drawers are full, I can tell you. Uh, also bad plans, I am afraid. Okay. Uh, but, um, uh, but on that one, I think, I think we first, uh, I mean, we have heard what the experts are saying. Um, I mean, experts have played a very big role also in all this crisis. Sometimes you ask, why, why do we need the politicians when we have the experts who uh, are doing the job for the politicians who are unable to uh, take the decisions uh, independently because experts are not there to take the responsibility. They are there to give the advice, but uh, that's another thing. Uh, but um, uh, let, us, uh, let us hear also what would be the outcome of the leaders' discussion and uh, when the Commission is tasked to, to come up with uh, uh, next proposals or provide solutions, then I can guarantee the Commission is able to do that. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Henrik. Actually, one, uh, one point uh, which we haven't discussed about a very important operational issue, or maybe I've missed it, this afternoon is uh, the Belarus and Afghanistan flights and overflights issue, uh, which of course have a huge operational impact for European carriers. Uh, how can we ensure that, uh, that safety and security measures can actually be put in place when needed? But also, important question is, how can we make sure they are removed as soon as, uh, as that's possible? Well, I think that um, when it comes to the, um, the, the crisis uh, zones and, uh, and surely one can uh, categorize both uh, Belarus and Afghanistan uh, in such a way, then we usually act uh, swiftly. And, uh, and I think we did act uh, swiftly. Uh, uh, the, um, uh, the conflict concerning, for example, Afghanistan, the experts even, that was, I think, uh, uh, during the holiday season, the experts came together right away who are assessing also the conflict zones and the relevant recommendations were introduced. And um, uh, in fact, uh, you had these recommendations already earlier, but they were reinforced uh, when the situation became uh, uh, extremely complicated and uh, flying in Afghan space was, uh, was definitely a big challenge. I mean, I don't think that we can say in, uh, in, uh, in full um, honesty today that, uh, that this airspace is entirely stable, even though the certain commercial flights have been restored. Uh, of course, the situation is different than it was in the middle of August, uh, and uh, we hope that uh, it will continue to, uh, to go into this direction. Uh, I mean, there are rescue flights taking place. Uh, uh, there are certainly airlines uh, uh, which are Flying, but I don't think it will be in the near future uh, or even in the uh, not so near future then European carriers will uh, will open up the uh, the, 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 the flights to, uh, to to Kabul 
but um, uh, we keep on monitoring this, and it's also up to the experts, uh, the security experts, uh, who are assessing the conflict zones to, to see uh, what kind of recommendations they give, and, uh, and then we act accordingly, because safety and security are never to be compromised, and uh, that has to be kept in mind all the time. The Belarus situation, of course, is different, but um, it is also very serious and uh, the EU member states, but not only, also other democratic countries have expressed uh, very well uh, their uh, views on this uh, through the sanctions which have been uh, deployed uh, against Belarus. Um, uh, the Belarusian state used the um, uh, civil aviation uh, for uh, entirely political purposes and uh, jeopardizing safety, and on this basis uh, it is fully justified that the European Aviation Safety Agency has uh, uh, question marks concerning uh, uh, the uh, safe flying uh, through the Belarus airspace and has also uh, issued uh, relevant um, uh, recommendations and actually safety information bulletin. Um, your question about and the situation hasn't changed. At least we are yeah. not uh, we are not convinced yeah. that uh, uh, that anything has changed there, and that's why the overflights uh, concerning uh, Belarus are still uh, uh, prohibited. And uh, by flying over, you would be breaching the sanctions because you basically would have to uh, you would have to pay to a sanctioned entity, and uh, and this is uh, and this is prohibited uh, through the sanctions regime. Now, your question was, of course, uh, valid when um, uh, it is the time to uh, roll back this. Uh, and um, uh, with the Afghanistan, I, I mean, in both cases, I mean, I think that the, uh, uh, the reply is that when it is safe and secure to overfly. But um, uh, concerning um, Belarus, I think that the, the first um, uh, deadline was also that uh, we are waiting uh, the outcome of the uh, fact-finding investigation by ICAO. Which is, uh, which is currently ongoing and uh, where probably we can, we can expect some, some intermediate uh, report um, uh, in, the, in the next month. Uh, but, uh, but this is also still ongoing and I don't think that uh, we can do any kind of, uh, uh, or we can draw any kind of conclusions uh, uh, before uh, we have also had uh, the ICAO assessment, but uh, uh, even then the final say uh, for us uh, remains with the uh, European Aviation Safety Agency and uh, I think we all uh, trust that they're doing the right thing. Very clear. Thanks, Henrik. And, and maybe looking at time, maybe last question. Uh, before we can go to drinks and I think I still have to conclude so apologies for that so stick with me for a couple of minutes more um, of course your favorite topic single European sky we've uh, I think it's been come clear again this afternoon uh, during the lunch discussion but also this afternoon that under the current regulation we can do already quite a lot quite a bit a network manager um, as I guess Eamon Brennan would say just get on with it you know um, have ta has taken a very pragmatic approach in that sense and a lot has been done uh, a cooperation with the airlines so that respect has really improved um, and um, but says 2 plus um, is of course on the table I know that's also your favorite topic you could say fortunately or unfortunately uh, uh, I, it's not a secret that you are not very happy with where things are at the moment that's probably an understatement uh, but maybe some last words, what, what, how you see SESTU Plus moving where it is now. I know the Commission of European Commission, I know it's in, in trialogue at the moment, but is there something you could, you could give us maybe uh, concluding on SESTU Plus, um, maybe where we need to be optimistic, and are we very pessimistic? Um, let me have your views, thank you. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, one of my favorite topics. Also Marianas, by the way. Um, I hope he was with you earlier today. He was, yes. Um, I, I also had the pleasure of discussing with him that yesterday. Um, look, um, uh, of course, uh, uh, we would like to see progress uh, happening. And uh, uh, you said that uh, I'm not particularly pleased. Well, actually, to be quite honest, that when I saw the outcome of the deliberations in the in the council, then I was, I was just furious. And, uh, and and to me, this was just a disgrace because uh, uh, this uh, general approach uh, uh, was not even matching what was the expectations uh, 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 from uh, from us in terms of making progress because I just cannot understand how can there be such a discrepancy uh, between what has been said and what has been done and uh, and I think that is something which really uh, gets to you and uh, and on one hand you hear also uh, different uh, dignitaries uh, talking about the need to uh, cut the emissions uh, having more efficient aviation and so on and uh, and then when it comes to the to the real thing then uh, uh, the experts and their uh, officials, uh, at least uh, I would assume under the instructions that they have got, are actually doing absolutely the opposite and the outcome is, uh, is not taking us even a step further. But that's part of the negotiations. I'm looking at it in a positive way because I want to see things uh, glass half full. And I think that uh, it was also negotiating tactics. Uh, so today we have the European Parliament who is pushing a very ambitious agenda. We have the current presidency who is trying to find uh, middle ground because the, uh, the general approach that the member states have given uh, to the current presidency is not the easiest one uh, to deal with when you, the parliament is in an opposite uh, situation. Uh, but the negotiations are ongoing. A lot of technical discussions have taken place and uh, I'm sure that um, they will continue. I don't think that uh, we, are, we, are, we are yet in a position where we can you know, sit down and have a meaningful uh, trilogue in terms of um, making uh, significant progress, but I think that uh, uh, a lot of uh, work on the more easier parts have been, have been happening, has, has been happening and, uh, and I hope that uh, eventually we will get there. Why are they? It will happen during this presidency or next presidency. Um, then uh, in that sense it is, it is irrelevant, uh, but uh, we need to have a outcome uh, of the uh, of the proposed S2 uh, plus proposal where we are going to have a, a better functioning uh, European airspace and uh, uh, we would also be able to show that uh, because of that, because of the more efficient flying uh, and the more efficient flight paths, we have also been able to uh, reduce the, uh, the, uh, the emissions in aviation because we all know that in aviation reducing the emissions is not a very easy task and that's why we have the basket of measures and also a more efficient flying and delivering on the single European sky, if not in its entirety, at least uh, uh, as much as possible, then uh, that would uh, give a significant boost also for the efforts to, uh, to reduce the environmental footprint and uh, sustainability. So we, uh, we keep on discussing. I don't want to anticipate anything, and uh, I have known from the beginning, as anybody else who has following this file, that uh, it is a, a very complex negotiations. And, um, and, uh, and, and let's see where we are going to land. But you are right, Thomas. I mean, it doesn't mean that we are all sitting idle and uh, waiting the miracle to happen. And I think quite a lot of things have already been done. Um, but uh, the, the problem is also that, I mean, if we could use the current framework in order to do more, then we wouldn't need the S2+. 
the reality is that the current framework has also its limitations and uh, there is also the same kind of unwillingness uh, uh, to deliver and to try to see the European airspace as one entity uh, but rather to see this as a, as, as a patchwork. I mean, in a way, I could make a parallel with, uh, with the COVID uh, restrictions and to say, look, mm -hmm. that's what you get. Uh, all member states, uh, they all want to have the highest level of health safety. They want to protect their citizens. They also want to think European. But in the end, they all had a patchwork where you didn't know how to go anywhere and what kind of restrictions are waiting and what's going to happen to you. Well, today, European airspace has a little bit the same, I mean, because uh, uh, you have also uh, different member states uh, doing different things and uh, that uh, is uh, limiting the possibility to uh, uh, use the best that Europe can offer, which is the scale and which is the common European approach, uh, which is also uh, very much in the interest of the, of the business and uh, supporting what we do. So uh, I hope you all keep up the optimism and uh, let's hope that we will get to a good outcome. Thank you very much, Henrik. I think you summarized it very well. Uh, I think uh, we know what, the, what our jobs are or continue to be. Uh, you can definitely count on our support, uh, and that's not only uh, Airlines for Europe, that's not only IATA. I think the whole uh, aviation, uh, European aviation sector, uh, like in COVID, uh, you know, I think um, CESTO Plus is also something we need to work on together uh, and be open and direct and try to resolve the bottlenecks. Uh, sure. I think we've heard some <coughs> interesting uh, uh, discussions today or points that were made today on the real bottlenecks and the fake bottlenecks. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks very much, Henrik. Yeah.